I went to a wedding of a friend in Tucson this weekend in Arizona. And the dog stayed with a friend. Um, and all so far, I got good report. They weren't good. They didn't uh, ask if somebody else could take care of them in the middle of it. So I think it went fine. Excellent. Um, but I was staying with a friend that has, uh, they have like three dogs total. Um, we had Cardi, um, who was like a big kind of pit bull mix. But she's mm-hmm. like a little softy. She's like a teddy bear. She just wants to cuddle. Um, and then there's Beef, who <laughs> <laughs> is looks like um like a stretched out version of Crumb. Like oh yeah, so cute. Was just like a um yeah. I think he's actually a poodle pit bull mix. Um, which I know very hard to picture. Really hard. I'm imagining all I can see is like. A pit bull with like a curly Goldilocks wig on. Like that's all I can I think, see in my head. I think almost don't picture the only part of the pit bull is sort of like the kind of weird size. I think they said pit bull. Um, but basically it looks like if you imagine crumb, but like stretched out everywhere, just like longer in every direction, and then like a much bigger head. Like yeah. a huge <laughs> head. Um, but it has like crumb kind of that curly, wiry fur, like gray face, like really looks like crumb. Um, and like beef is only like six months old, maybe not, not yet a year. So beef is a puppy and I'm obsessed with beef. Uh, oh my gosh. Yeah. Just, just like a bundle of happiness. Just mm. only one to hang out and, uh, likes to steal shoes, but, um, doesn't chew them up. Just takes them to new locations, which I really appreciate. Wow. So just, is it like a feng shui thing? Do you think? <laughs> it's gotta like- be. Beef is like the the vibes are wrong because you put your shoes there. It's really important yeah. that we move them. These yeah. shoes should be out in the yard. Um, <laughs> yeah, where of course, of course. Fair. <laughs> and then there was also uh, Nora, who's a little like a kind of a fox terrier, Chihuahua looking mix, like Cute. a little white white dog, and has one like long hair on the top of her head. Has <laughs> short hair other than one long <laughs> like tuft. Um, Nora's great. Nora and like Nora has come a long way. She was a um a rescue, who like she she had it rough and was a little little bitey, but now yeah, not bitey. Just she's she's doing great. She's so friendly That's now. So good. I think every time I've come down to see her, she's gotten better and better, which is really cool. And how did they do that? Like how did they how did they do that? Just time. I think a lot of it is just like trusting. I think the reason she mm. was scared was just like she'd never been around people that were nice to her nice and to so her. it's just been a long long Stop. enough time where it's like hmm, seems like you and all the like your friends are nice i don't have to bite yeah. them <laughs> yeah oh i understand yeah I relate to that. <laughs> um and then also there was a kitten named maxi who was like <gasps> i don't know like a teen like she's yeah. you know a few months old but still definitely mm. a baby and in that like mm. um uh judy whose cat it was was like She's in the kind of annoying phase of kitten where you're like, thank yes. God you're cute because you are breaking yes. all of my things and like climbing up my pants. Yes. And yes, yes, yes. But teen, teen, yes, a teen, teen cat, a teen cat. That is so yeah. cute. Like, oh, so cute. So also like aside from being like that part of it was just really floppy. Like if you pick her up, she's just like, OK, and just oh my wants to be held and carried around. So oh, I'm so jealous. Yeah. I'm so jealous. I know. Of cats like that. <laughs> I she got so lucky. But yeah, she's just like yeah, a little tabby cat 
classic looking oh. tabby. Does she does she get on with the dogs? Yeah. Do the they, dogs like her? Yes, yeah, specifically the puppy beef and the kitten play for hours. They're oh obsessed God, with each other. So cute. I know. <laughs> it was so that's cute. So cute. Yeah, I had a very good pet weekend visit. Although I, I missed my that's... own dogs a lot. Being around other people's dogs, I'm like, these are pretty good. They're not mine. <laughs> pretty good though. Um, yeah. I think my the, the best thing, because you know, you're fed a lot of a lot of lies as a child. <laughs> and like my favorite realization is that cats and dogs can be friends and often are. Yeah. That was like, a, that was, because that's the thing that we definitely got fed a lot. Like, yes. whether it was from films or just anywhere, it was like, yeah, like yeah. They're, they're mortal enemies. Yeah. And just like, you know, they're fighting like cats and dogs. And you're like, yeah. So not fighting? <laughs> so, so literally chill <laughs> yeah. most of the time. Best friends snuggling next to each other? Like, yeah. <laughs> And like, I know that like Simba will bark at cats, but like Simba will bark at like anything that isn't a small dog that looks kind of like him. Yes. You know? Absolutely. So I'm like, don't think he's the best judge of cats. <laughs> yeah. Gonna, it's not specifically cats. It's literally anything. Like. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I, I, it is, it is really, always really joyful to discover that that is not the case. Yeah. How's, uh, yeah. how's Percy? How's, how's. Percy's good. She's, what's she been up to? She's. Oh, it's really cold still here mm. and she hates it. And she's just spending like all of her time in my bed, like hidden in my bed. And normally like throughout the day, she'll potter around and she just hasn't been. She's just remained <laughs> curled up yeah. under the bed. Um, today I saw a dog that I literally like froze in the middle of the street and gasped at how cute this dog <gasps> was. And But I, I gasped because this dog was the dog version of Twig from Hilda. Like, I don't know how else to describe yeah. it. This dog looked like Twig. It was like, kind of like, I don't, I have no idea. And I'm normally really good at guessing mixes. Yeah. And I couldn't for the life of me work out what it was. I would, if I had to hazard a guess, I would say like a Italian Greyhound, Bedlington, possibly possibly with some poodle thrown in yeah like it was it was it was shaggier but it was like had like a little foxy little face oh. and like little ears like when twig is sad no. and just it was so and it was like a little kind of whitish gray color so and cute. i i just i wish i had stopped and asked its mom more about it but i was on the phone <laughs> but if by any chance you are listening <laughs> <laughs> it was in Peckham High Road. You you have red hair and your dog is the cutest dog I've ever seen. And I did say that out loud. I'm like, not even, I was on the phone. So I said it to who I was on the phone to, but obviously Still. like loudly. Yes. And, and so like, she kind of walked past like grinning at me like, yeah, I know my dog's really cute. But I just was like, I couldn't believe oh, how man. cute this dog was. Just Oh, literally so sweet. Oh. Sweetest little foxy face. Oh, we gotta um, find it. Internet. I know I, I do your internet. In, thing. Internet. Internet, do your thing and help me find this dog so that I can find out if it has siblings and then get one. Yeah. Oh. oh, so good. It was like the perfect size. It was like big enough to have a, like long enough that I could get like a good cuddle, but like small enough for an apartment. Oh, oh it was so cute. Yeah. Um, we'll find you one. Yeah, it was really exciting. Um <laughs> But otherwise, otherwise, yes, every, all the pets in my life are doing, are doing well. Good. Um, yeah. Also, uh, you're listening to Comfort Creatures. This is the show. This week, we learned uh, April 17th is Bat Appreciation Day, 
Yes. So we will be appreciating baths this episode. We will indeed. <laughs> we will indeed. We will. Um, <laughs> we... There's quite a lot. There's a lot to appreciate, isn't there? Alexis? Oh my God. Wait, we were talking. Okay. We won't get too into it, but before we start recording, we're talking about how there are so many kinds of baths that we could literally change this show into just being about baths and yeah, like still probably never finish. Yeah, honestly. How many types of bats did you, did we, what is it like? 1,400? Like 1,400 types of bats. Like, <laughs> Which is, and you know what? I don't, I think I've maybe seen, have I even ever seen a bat? I think I've seen a bat. Yeah. In the countryside in France at night, mm-hmm. like once or twice. You know, you're never quite sure. Yeah, yeah, Because yeah. they go past like, so oh, quickly. Is like, is that a bird? Is that a bat? Yeah. I don't know. But you would think that given how many there are, that I would be seeing them as often as I see like pigeons yes. at least. Yeah. I, like, um, where are they all? <laughs> I, uh, one time, so as we've talked about, my my dad is sort of the town, uh, the person in town you call when you don't know what to do about an animal. Yes. Um, and a friend had a bat in their house. And my dad went to go and he got it and we got to look at it. And like for a couple hours, we were just like, look at this little bat. So I have gotten to hold a bat. And oh, wow, you held it? Yeah. What? Okay, talk me through it. Did you have to catch it? Who picked it up? My dad got it. I forget how. I think he grabbed it in a towel. And then it ended. It was actually like, because he also wanted to make sure it wasn't hurt because it like flew in. And, you know, so we were just monitoring it to make sure it could fly and stuff. But um, yeah, I got to hold it and it was quite frightened um but very sweet mm. so small like obviously like we said there's a million different kinds and they get huge but the yeah. ones that were in arizona i don't know what they were i should have looked it up before i started talking about it but are just like the little like mouse-sized bats you know with wings um and yeah it was it was so cute I, like seeing them up close it was like whoa that's a cute yeah. little guy yeah um but yeah, we oh, and we also have this episode a Ready Pet Go from Emily, yes. who followed my request, and ha- it's about a Siamese cat. And I said, if you did one on oh. a Siamese cat, I'd put you to the front of the line, and I'm keeping to my word. Um, oh. And I'm so sorry if you're like, but I was probably next. But sorry, Emily. Emily got the yeah, bonus. She, she did as instructed. So yes. we, we reward that here. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Um, yeah, and should we uh, should we go jump into bad appreciation? Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> okay, Ella and I had to tag team this one. Normally, one of us covers, you know, the sciencey bit, and we just we just you know t- teaches the other one about it. But there's too much, so we kind of are both gonna mm-hmm. throw facts around, and you can pick your favorites. <laughs> 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 But just some general things I thought were cool. Um, bats, they are the only mammals capable of true and sustained flight. Um, what does what does that mean? Well, because if you think about like, you know, there are, um, you know, like uh, flying squirrels, but mm. they don't actually fly. Right. They like they leap and have like oh, catch the wind. Yeah, of course. Um, they so, glide. Yeah, they glide. Really, There's a lot they? of mammal gliders but yeah the or effective jumpers yes like buzz lightyear exactly yes there's a lot of buzz lightyear types in the mammal kingdom yeah mammals that fall with style exactly (laughs) (laughs) thank you yes um that is the best way you could have possibly put it um (laughs) they are also 
not only are they the only mammals capable of true and sustained flight, they're also more agile in flight than most birds, flying with their oh. very long spread out digits covered with thin membrane or patagium, um, which is a fancy way of saying that that gross, uh, like kind of like fleshy, their fleshy skin wings makes them mm. really good at, at being very agile. It's like they've got giant webbed fingers. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. I, That's how I'm picturing. They almost, you'd almost think they'd be underwater. Like, yeah. Like, you know, minus their very cute little, very mammal like head. Their wings look water like. Maybe they were at I mean, some point. I guess we all were. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just don't know if, what they looked like. Or like um, when they were under yeah, how yeah. long ago. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I guess because also on that same note, like they do feel very um, pterodactyl-like in that sense. Yeah. Um, so surely they, they have some dino relatives. I could be wrong, but they look like they have dino relatives. Yeah, I mean, as a in terms of evolution, mm-hmm. they're kind of weird. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like, because they're mammals that have evolved flight, Mm -hmm. true flight. True flight. Sustained. As opposed to, yeah, exactly, sustained (laughs) true flight. Um, (laughs) And I'm just like, why? Why have they done that? And I, from from what I gathered, nobody really knows. (laughs) Like, the the proper paleontologists with degrees and stuff, they're not that sure either. This is kind of weird. Make which is so weird. Yeah. In the same way that I think whales and dolphins, like like water mammals, are baffling. Yeah. I think bats are all so similarly baffling. <laughs> yeah. You know? um, they're also, like we talked about, there are 1,400 species. Um, they were traditionally divided into two suborders, the fruit-eating uh, megabats and the echolocating microbats. But I guess there's also now some discussion about changing that, and I didn't feel like getting into the, like, the logistics of that change of the suborder. So I'm still going with megabats and microbats because I like the names. Yeah, I like that too. <laughs> Even if it's not strictly, because obviously that implies that microbats are small and megabats yeah. are big, but some megabats are small and some yeah. microbats are big. But I still like the idea of like a megabat and a me microbat. Yeah. That sounds cool to me. Same. <laughs> um, you know? And speaking of size, the smallest um, one is the, the kitty hog-nosed bat which is 29 to 34 millimeters or uh, like basically one and an eighth inch in length about. So oh, teeny, that tiny, is little. Tiny, tiny bat. And the largest bats are the flying foxes, which Ella and I have also deemed probably the cutest of the bats. I think they're my favorite. Yeah. Yeah. They have a wingspan of up to like five feet. Like they get, <gasps> they get big. Those get, and like, that's a huge one, I think, but that's a big bat. Would, and would be, I think, a little bit scary to see flying. Yeah, because five feet, like, that's, I'm five foot four. Exactly. So. <laughs> that's that's a little oh, too geez. big. That's that's really large, if you think. Yeah. So is that just their wingspan? Yeah. So that's tip to tip. So they could stretch basically the length of me, yeah. essentially. Yeah. Like, and that's that the, specifically the giant crowned, or the giant golden crowned flying fox can get that big. Right. So, Damn. but still, that's a little bit too big of a bat, if you ask me. Mm. I don't <laughs> think it made like a good pet. 
<laughs> and I wouldn't make a good, because, you know, we were sort of talking about like, oh, wouldn't it be fun to have like a bat familiar who like flies around and like whispers secrets to you and does your spying. Yeah. And I feel like a flying fox would be too big to be, um, you know, necessarily stealthy in the way that you might require yes. a familiar. Yeah. Um, but if I were going to transform into a bat like a vampire, mm. and we'll talk about this yes, later, will, yeah. I think I would pick the flying fox to transform into. That's yes. I, I just think I'd pick like a slightly smaller one. Like I don't sure, need sure. to be the biggest bat. Yeah, of yeah, that yeah, kind. Totally. Like, I would love to be a flying fox because, well, they're very cute, and I I do want to be a cute little guy. Yeah, no, I I, I relate to that fully. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so. Bat lifespans, mm -hmm. most species, it's like sub 20 years, yeah. which is still that's more than I thought. I thought it would be like four. Me too. Yeah. Sub 20 years. Okay. Um, there are six species, um, six known species, which is the other wild thing about bats is like, because, because there are so many different kind of classifications and there are different variations and some of them look the same, but actually really different. Yeah. There are more species being discovered all the time. So that's really cool. But so there are six known species that live over 30 years. And in 2006, a tiny bat from Siberia set the world record at 41 years. 41? A 41 year old bat. Wow. I, is this, right? How cool is that? The expression, the phrase, something that is batty. Um, yeah. Do you think that was someone also hearing about how long bats live? And they went, that's batty. Yeah, must have been. Must have been. <laughs> must have been must have been to do with to do with the the ridiculous lifespan of that but delighted for them yeah very fabulous them. of them to to reach their 30s and their 40s because that's 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 a fun age yeah so that's like they're, they're they're going into their like sex in the city the movie era yeah you know, where where all the girls are like rich with disposable income <laughs> <laughs> the amount of shoes that these bats could have Right. <laughs> be really useful, like expensive stilettos that help them hang upside down. Oh yeah. They've like sure. a little hook at the end. <laughs> Very chic. Um, and then the year in the life of the bat, like mm. to be perfectly honest, they seem like they're having a great time. No wonder Ooh. they live for so long. So they spend winter hibernating, of course, mm -hmm. because they're smart and I don't know why <laughs> we don't do the same. And then they hibernate until about March, April, um, general spring vibes they begin to emerge they start feeding um and then in april they are like we are hungry we are ready to to emerge from in from our hibernation right um apparently if in in the kind of early spring if it does remain cold or wet um they can become torpid so cool and inactive again if they get too cold so they're kind of in and out of consciousness at this point. They're like eating and then they're like, oh, there's a chill. Right. I'm going to go back and rest, which is exactly what I want to be doing. <laughs> so Have a snack and um, then go back inside. Yeah, yeah. This this whole transforming into a, into a bat thing is sounding really tempting. Yeah. Um, I have to say. Yeah. So by around May, they're mm. active, they're feeding. And incidentally, I mean, bats eat all, all different types of things, right. depending on what kind of bat they are. Um. A lot of them eat fruit, like fruit bats, or they eat mosquitoes. Mm -hmm. Some of them eat small insects, like moths. Mm -hmm. um, and then vampire bats. And I know that you've you have things to say on vampire bats, Alexis. <laughs> yeah, I've got things to say. Um, 
You've got, <laughs> got things to say. They eat blood uh-huh. or drink blood. They drink blood. They drink blood. Yes. So we will circle back to that. Yeah. But otherwise, yeah, uh, mosquitoes, moths, insects, beetles, fruit like bananas, figs, etc. I used to, just as a weird aside, yeah. um, when I was ill um, and my grandma would look after me when, like, when I wasn't in school because I was sick, uh-huh. I would watch this show called Animal Park. I think I've talked about it before with the BBC. And my favourite thing was to watch the fruit, the fruit bats get fed like bits Aww. of melon and stuff. I don't know what it was about. Maybe it was like early ASMR, naughty's yeah. ASMR, watching them just like kind of slurp up these bits of melon. <laughs> um, I found it very soothing. So I recommend you all go and watch that. Um, so that's May. Yeah. Then they start to form maternity colonies mm. and they start looking for nursery sites. Um, so buildings or trees, places where they're going to be like warm and safe for them to have their... They're little ones. I like the idea of like little maternity groups, like yeah. a little mother's, like a little mum's group. Yeah. Like they get together and do like baby yoga or something. Yeah. You know, they practice their breathing. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like antenatal classes. Yeah. Like it's cute. <laughs> um, and then the men roost on their own or in small groups. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, sounds familiar. Is, I was going to say, <laughs> I guess, you know, toxic masculinity. It's everywhere. It's uh, everywhere. <laughs> it's okay to have friends, boys. I know it's it's okay to love each other. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's hard to be a dad. It's okay if you want to do the classes too. Yeah, go join the maternity colonies. Get yeah. some advice on breathing. It's all good. Yeah. Um, and then female bats only have one baby most of the time, and they feed them on their milk. And the bats are really little; they're often less than an inch when they're first born, mm-hmm. which is wild to me. That's like, so small. Imagine how that's so tiny um and they are very dependent on their mums mm-hmm. who are catching thousands of insects every night so that they can sustain their babies oh um so that's what like mum is doing throughout like a lot of the summer but yeah. bats grow very quickly um and they reach almost full size at around a month whoa um yeah super fast super fast growth i want to see a um, time lapse of a of a bat growing right in a month. <laughs> It's got to be crazy. Right. <laughs> just like inflating a balloon. Yeah. Like just really big, really quickly. Um, and then at about three weeks to a month, young bats um, start to learn to fly, which is why you often find them on the ground when they're really Aww. little. Because And they've got the wings. They're all spindly, like broken umbrellas. It's so cute. Oh, yeah, they like, um, don't know how to use them. They're all no. awkward. <laughs> so cute. Yeah. Um, then at about six weeks, they start to catch insects for themselves and they don't need their mom's milk anymore. And by kind of towards the end, towards like the end of the summer, so August time, mm-hmm. the maternity colonies begin to disperse and um, everyone, they will start to kind of live their, live their bat lives. Wow. Um, and then in September, mating season starts. So. And then you get. If, and, and then it kind of starts again. So um, they. Uh, they get busy, <laughs> literally and metaphorically. Yeah. Um, they start building up fat stalls. They start eating loads. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, mostly they're trying to find find a partner. Wow. And their mating calls can include purrs, clicks, and buzzing noises, which I would love to hear. Yeah. <laughs> Um, oh, cute. Which is really, yeah, which is so cool. And then they start to look for hibernation sites around like October, which is just the dream. It's a nice life. 
Yeah. It's a really, really nice life. And I do wonder if like, um, the I wonder if there is a particular, I'm obviously thinking of like Halloween and bats and stuff. And I'm like, mm, end of October, those bats are like, they're out and about like, it's that last minute house housing panic, isn't it? It's yeah. like all the good spots are going to be gone. So perhaps that's why it, they yeah. feel like they're particularly active around <laughs> Halloween. And also it's 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 dark more. So you're right. You're, and you're out when they're the out do- more likely. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And then they start hibernating around um, November, basically. Wow. And then they get into deep hibernation in December and that and, that, and the cycle starts again. <sighs> So they literally just like eat, sleep, sex, repeat. And I just like, <laughs> oh, to be a bat. <laughs> Hang out with the girls. Hang out with the have, girlies. Have some wine. Literally like have some food, <laughs> have a long nap. <laughs> Find yourself like a, a cute bat guy. <laughs> but he's not too clingy. But he's not too clean because he's off with his friends yeah. and you get to hang out with your friends. <laughs> it's important because you don't see them for like four months because exactly. you're asleep. Yeah. <laughs> so that is a year in the life of a bat. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Incredible. I also want, I'm sure because there are like so many different kinds, I'm sure there are some that are like slightly different than that. And these, you know, like, yeah, there's probably tiny variations. Um, and... I do at some point want to talk about like how cool like echolocation is, but mm. I decided um, because this podcast is what it is, we do need to talk about vampire bats. Yeah, absolutely. Um, unless you had anything else to say about the the cycle. I think the only other thing I would add is just thinking about like, as you kind of said, like, yeah, there are lots of different types of bats who do lots of different things. Yeah. Um, a huge part of that is dictated by their environment. So for example, there are lots of, bats it, it, bats on islands in particular tend to be keystone species so they're like vital to the ecosystem in new zealand um there are only two native mammals both of them are bats mm-hmm. um in madagascar there are 38 different species of bats and two thirds of them are found nowhere else in the world so not only are they like <laughs> plentiful in their number yeah but also in like the value that they bring to our shared ecosystem so i think that's really cool they're also really important pollinators yeah. and plant species. There are some plants that only attract bats at night, which is really Ooh. cool. Um, and in that way, they behave quite a lot like hummingbirds. They've got their little long, Ooh. narrow faces and long, long tongues <laughs> that delve beside the flowers, get the ne- drink the nectar oh. and continue kind of uh, the cycle. That's so um, cool. Which is really cool. So they're really important. Um, and 20% of the world's bats are very sadly threatened with extinction. <gasps> 25 species are critically endangered and five species have already become extinct. So we need to think about the bats, guys. They're really, really important parts of the ecosystem. Yeah. Save the bats. And the only mammals capable of true flight. (laughs) The only mammals capable of true flight. Um, Which is probably why there are so many of them because they've been able to spread so far and wide. Yeah, great point. They just kept moving and and moving. Yeah. So vampire bats. Yeah. What we've all been waiting for. Yeah. So there are of those thousands of bat species, only three of them, I think, are vampire bats. So okay. I think in general, you don't have to worry <laughs> about like if there's a, if there are bats around you, it's probably not going to try and drink your blood. 
Um, <laughs> like unless you live in a very specific part of the world, but um, there is the the common, the white winged, and the hairy legged vampire bats. And I will say, you'd also know because they all kind of look like Nosferatu. Like mm-hmm. they clearly they modeled him after a vampire bat, or I mean, who knows? They really just do. They're like a little bit gnarlier looking than the other bats. They're like <laughs> kind of free. They do have like pointier teeth and like more like rigid ears that are a little scarier. Yeah. No, they are for sure gnarly looking. Right? Like I really work to love every animal. Yeah. I really do. But like it is a it is a face I'm not sure a mother could love. You know what I mean? <laughs> yes. You're like, oh, like it reminds me like the same way I feel like about a hairless cat, where you're like, you're yeah, kind of crazy yeah. looking. But yeah. I bet if <laughs> I got I to know you, cats. like you'd probably be cool. And now, so if you didn't yeah. drink my blood, like I I appreciate the quirkiness of what they've got going yes. on for sure. Yes, um, they're very high fashion. You know that kind of like yeah, they're editorial. They're editorial. They're editorial. Yes, that's what for we're gonna sure, go with for sure. Um, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, they're mostly in Central and South America. And uh, these are bats that consume blood and only blood for food and water. Um, So in this uh, high-protein diet, vampire bat researchers can locate roosts by the pungent ammonia aroma produced by their feces. So, Oh, my God. Yes. They're kind of weird little guys. Um, And the bats were named after vampires and not the other way around. Um, vampire mythologies existed in various cultures around the world long before the vampire bats got their name. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm sure I still think like they saw Nosferatu, like they saw a vampire bat, and they're like, okay, well that's how we'll depict Nosferatu because that clearly yeah. there was something there. Yeah, I I agree. I mean, it does make sense also when you think about like the blood drinking tie happened, and then after that it became like a cyclical thing. Of yes, each influencing the other. Yes. Um, other than like. Stephanie Meyer did not base no. Edward Cullen on vampire no. bats. She, you know, and that would be a much different story. I think it would be a much different story. <laughs> His red eyes and sharp ears, <laughs> so hot. Um, so humans aren't their first choice for a meal. So also, like they're not, they're not going around attacking humans. They prefer like cow blood and things like that. And they only take, I think, like a teaspoon. Like it's very, they oh. eat very little. Um, I think is it a, a real teaspoon, or is it like when they tell you at school that on your period you only bleed a teaspoon? Because that's a lie. So I just wanted people. When it comes to blood, people like to throw teaspoon around. That's true. I don't always believe them. That's all I'm saying. Okay, you know what? I was wrong. It was a tablespoon. So okay. immediately, immediately, I was wrong, and you're right. Uh, <laughs> but all I'm saying is if if it happens to you, you will live. <laughs> They're only taking cool. a little bit. <laughs> but you should get a rabies shot. Can you imagine? Sorry, can you just imagine what it would be like if a vampire bat just like... Just... Was me. like you. You look delicious not. and just descended on you. And I love most animals, but that is something I won't <laughs> tolerate. Uh, <laughs> and here's... Okay, so I think maybe this doesn't help. And I'm... This is a little bit... We're getting a little Halloween-y here, but they also don't suck blood. They They like lap it up like a cat. Oh my god! <laughs> so, it's it also though a painless incision near an How? artery, near an artery, using their sharp teeth, and then they, <laughs> and then they lick it up. <laughs> How is it painless? Um, I think they have super sharp teeth, 
So you don't, like, it's that kind of thing. Um, And also, their saliva acts as a uh, anticoagulant. So the blood doesn't clot and seal the wound immediately. It, like, lets it bleed more. So I think it can be a a pretty tiny wound that, because of their saliva, like, bleeds enough to feed them. Whoa. It's kind of gross. But I do think it's really interesting. Like, Why are they not using that in medicine? Oh, that's a great question. They might be. Honestly, maybe they are. Maybe they are. As an, like, because that would be harvesting. I mean, maybe it wouldn't be very ethical, but like, right. harvesting vampire bat saliva for like, but like blood the, clots the, and the enzymes aneurysms. are possible to like, you know, replicate yeah, and un- other things. So I mean, maybe they are also like, maybe I they are. <laughs> yeah, we're not doctors. I do know that the um, the enzymes in our own spit are like the enzymes that are activated in like laundry detergent. Like obviously it comes from a different source, but like it's the same enzyme that breaks down because our spit is really good at cleaning things. And they figured that out and they're like, let's use the same enzyme, but not from a person's mouth. Wow, that's so interesting. Yeah, I read that in a book called Guts by Mary Roach. Um, (laughs) A little plug. Um, What else was I going to say about vampire bats? They also have echolocation um which i truly think we could do a whole different episode on so i don't want to get to it it's just cool and that was basically it i just think it's kind of wild that like i didn't look this up but like i don't know of that many mammals that are just like yeah i live off of blood no i like i really don't think that there are any other mammals that weird blood alexis that's weird right why i i don't know how they figure i mean i guess good protein and like if it's all they need it's kind of once they figured that out they're like okay great <laughs> we'll just stick with this you find a little cow and you got food for life yeah and i guess like the cow doesn't die no the cow's fine cow probably doesn't even notice yeah so those are vampire bats that is fascinating right mm. the other thing we wanted to do um, is talk about like vampires in like folklore and mythology and some of like the general like the different ways they've been used um, in stories by different mm-hmm. cultures. And I think Ella and I both really like they're they're considered liminal beings like they mm-hmm. represent the in between because they're only seen at twilight. They're half bird, half mouse. There's a lot of really cool bat lore because of that. They're these mysterious, strange hybrid creatures that you know, live in a cave, but come out at twilight. Yeah. Stephanie Meyer said, which I just like as a concept. There's a ton. Um, the In Aztec mythology, for instance, bats symbolize the land of the dead, destruction and decay. But then in other, like in China, bats are associated with healing and, and curing. Like bat dung was placed over a door opening and it would prevent disease and carrying like in stopping like bad demons and things from entering. Um, and it's a symbol of like happiness and good luck. Anyway, back to them being these kind of in-between creatures. There's a really cool um, Aesop fable called The Bat and the Weasel. Do you say it Aesop there as well? I was literally going to say we say Aesop. Aesop. You might be right. That's the thing. I, like, I, well, I, don't, I, I don't... I didn't meet him. I don't know. I just copy what my teacher did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably something entirely different. Like, Aesop. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> totally. But, um, okay, so this one's called The Bat and the Weasel. In the fable... A bat falls to the ground and is pounced on by a weasel. And the bat begs to be spared, but the weasel insisted that he can't do that because that was, he was an enemy of all birds. The weasel was like, "I, sorry, I, I spare no bird. And the bat is like, well, look at me. I'm a mouse. I'm not a bird. 
And the weasel looks at the bat and he's like, hmm, you are a mouse. And he lets him go. And then later, that very same bat was caught by a different weasel. And he begs for mercy. And the weasel is like, no, I never let a, a mouse go. I'm an enemy of all mice. And the bat is like, well, look at me. I'm a bird. Look at my wings. <laughs> and the weasel's like, ah, you are. You're definitely a bird. I would, I would know. And he lets that bat go as well. <laughs> I love that. I, <laughs> I mean, that's what they've been doing to scientists ever since. Yeah, like, honestly. What are you? <laughs> and they just keep convincing them one way or the other. Yeah. Like, nah. I'm definitely a bird. There's definitely a, a common theme in folk tales about bats, about them being tricksters or duplicitors mm -hmm. um, because of their ambiguous nature. So um, I think there's a, a fable in like Southern Nigeria and also among like Australian Aboriginals mm -hmm. um, where there's a, bat a battle between beasts and birds. And the bat repeatedly changes allegiance. Yeah. So when the when the beasts or the mammals are winning, the bat's like, I'm a I'm a I'm a mammal, I'm a mammal. And then when the birds are winning, the bat's like, I'm a bird, I'm a bird. <laughs> Which is so funny. They're smart. But then apparently when the when when a truce is declared, mm -hmm. um, the bat's rejected by both sides and banished to the night. Oh, sad, yeah. but also buddy. Also, you know, but I get it. I I like winning. I yeah, and also I relate. Most wars pretty pointless, so you might as well just right? live. The bat was like, I just want to be on the winning side. Both of you are wrong. Yes, exactly. I don't support this war at all. Um, there's also another one that uh, Ella and I agreed that we didn't like, but it there's a uh, it, like an Indian tale about how bats were unhappy birds. That prayed mm. to become human, and then their their prayers were partially granted, and they were given grotesquely humanoid faces, hair, and teeth, but still had their wings and could fly, becoming neither one thing nor the other. And they were ashamed, and that's why they would only come out at night and like live in caves. We also don't it's like so that. Sad. One. <laughs> it's too no, sad. No, you don't like that one. That, <laughs> some of the ones bats get a really like tough, yeah. tough time. Um, like the Apache's tale about the bats, I think, is that they had this hero who'd been battling all the enemies of mankind. Mm -hmm. And he killed a bunch of eagles and gave the feathers to a bat who'd helped him escape from the eagle's nest. And then the bat's feathers kept getting stolen by birds. And then the bat kept going back to this hero to ask for more. And um, the hero was like, okay, well, you can't take care of your feathers. So you don't, you, you, you're not going to get any more. <laughs> and the bat was like, yeah, you're right. I actually deserve to lose them because I couldn't, I couldn't keep hold of them. And that just made me so sad. I was like, you deserve feathers it's too. Hard. It's not it's your fault. They're being stolen. <laughs> He's like, so I'd probably sad. be better off without him. He's right. Yeah. It's so buddy. sad. I wonder if, um, because it's interesting because I, I thought for a while that vampires and like the idea of vampires turning into bats, which that's a Bram Stoker thing, isn't it? That doesn't, that, yeah. is that part of vampire mythology before um, Bram Stoker? I mean, Bram Stoker's so old that may, maybe. I don't think, I don't know if it is part of. I don't I think, think so he, either. I think it was more about. Well, he, he, he popularized it. Yes, certainly. Nothing yeah. else. Yeah. Um, so I was like, oh, that's why bats have a bad reputation. But actually it seems like because of this, people not knowing what they are and this yeah. nocturnal kind of being associated with the evening and the dying of the day. Yeah. Um, it seems like they've been getting a hard time for a while in a lot of folk tales and a lot of yeah. mythologies. So, you know, justice for the bats, man. Just, and also <laughs> like we say that, oh, they only come out at like twilight hours and a little bit's like, you mean the pretty hours? Maybe they just like a yeah. view. Like... <laughs> 
It's aesthetic. Yeah. <laughs> like, why would they come out in the middle of the day? It's hot and the sun is in their eyes when they can, like, <laughs> look at a gorgeous sunset, catch a few bugs and go to bed. Yeah, honestly, I, I, I so get that. Yeah. <laughs> I've I been so doing that get it. for years. Um, yeah. yeah, those are my, I think those are all my uh, the bat things I wanted to cover for this episode. Obviously, we could do this every week. We, so, we could. I don't know. It's Bat Appreciation Day, though, so we at least had to do this one. Totally, yeah. Maybe we'll circle back to bats Yeah, another point. Maybe for Halloween or something, we can talk yeah. more about bats. Yeah. Also, yeah. we'll try and get a bat person. Not, yes, not a vampire, so like cool. a person that has bats. <laughs> <laughs> like a person from like a bat um, conservation charity or something. Someone yeah. actually talk, knows about bats. That'd be really <laughs> cool. Let's try and do that. Yeah, that's good. Okay. Hey there, beautiful people. I am your favorite authoress, Trayvill Anderson, of We See Each Other, a black trans journey through TV and film. You know this is supposed to be a promo for our show, Fanti, and not your book, right? It's called Multitasking. I can't with you right now. Travell and I have an <laughs> award-winning show called Fanti that we both host, and it's a podcast where we dig into the complex and complicado mm -hmm. conversations about the gray areas in our lives. Perhaps there is a public figure of some sort, and you're like, oh, that person's so smart and so charming, but you're also like, oh, that person gets on my nerves. Okay, okay. You can catch us every week right here on Max Fun or wherever you get your slayworthy audio. And you can watch us on the YouTube every Friday. That's Fanti. F-A-N-T-I. Since we reached our highest milestone during the Max Fun Drive, we are creating a Max Fun Foley library full of sound effects from your favorite hosts. The whole Max Fun community will be able to use it. So, what would you like it to feature? People high-fiving? Walking through mud? Chicken clucking? Jazz kazoo? Head to MaximumFun.org slash Foley. That's MaximumFun.org slash F-O-L-E-Y and submit your ideas. We're excited to make this silly thing together and even more excited to see what you all create with it. And thank you again for a great Max Fun Drive. So, mm -hmm. as we mentioned, we have a ready pet go from Emily, and it's about a Siamese, which is very exciting. Yes. So, without further ado, <laughs> ready, pet, go. Hey there. I've always loved animals, so your podcast has been a delight for me to listen to. I own four pets, a leopard gecko named Captain Kirk, a white dumpy tree frog named Science Officer Spot, a Manx cat named Major Kira Neris, and a Lynx Point Siamese mix named Dr. Julian Bashir. Hearing that Alexis is a Siamese fan, I knew I had to answer the call and give you the story about Bashir. In 2021, I was picking up some supplies at my local pet smart and gave a quick pass-by look at the kitties at the open at the adoption center, as it is my tradition. At this point, I'd been freelancing for a little over two years and had my other three pets already. My cat Kira is an absolute sweetheart and the perfect cat, so I'd been hesitant to change up the situation in the household. But on this day, when I saw Bashir, who was named Latte, in his cage, curled up in a sad little ball with a big orange bin with a big orange sign that said "Cat of the Day, fifty dollars," I knew I had to bring him home. 
The adoption centre volunteer told me he had been given up twice by two different families. And the last one said that the cat refused to play or interact with their child. I rolled my eyes in anger and frustration at this. She went on further to say that this sweet boy has been passed up so often at the shelter because he's too shy and doesn't come up to greet people when they approach his cage. Well, that was it for me. I knew there was more to this kitty than met the eye and wanting to give him the chance nobody else would. I took him home that day and took him to the vet a couple of days later. The vet then told me that he was not in fact four years old as the original owner who surrendered him told the shelter, but was actually closer to eight to ten years. We got his teeth cleaned up and gave him a room in our house to get situated. After only a matter of days, he and my other cats started grooming each other and I watched over the next few weeks as he gradually realised that this was his new permanent home. His whole demeanour changed and within a few months, he was claiming his favourite spots in the house and sleeping at my feet at night. Within a year, he developed his own little quirks, such as a high-pitched squeaking mew that makes him sound especially desperate when he wants food and bopping me lightly on the face to wake me up in the morning so I'll give him next scritches and fill his food bowl. Even now, approaching two full years in our house, he is still coming out of his shell and showing more and more of his true self every day. He has started coming to fetch me when it's time for a nap in the afternoon and will immediately climb up on my chest and gently pull my face as he and I both fall asleep together. He loves tuna, is an excellent biscuit maker, Loves using Kira's butt as a pillow and enjoys sitting in his taco truck. He is one of the most beautiful and sweet cats I've ever known. His body is covered in coffee brown and cream swirls and his eyes are a striking blue. His tail has a kink in it from a past injury, the vet suspects. And one of his front fangs is chipped at the point. Even with these flaws, he's a gorgeous cat and so full of love. Is a shining example of why you should be patient and understanding with new cats. And I wish I could get in touch with the previous owners and show them all what they missed out on. <laughs> I can't wait to see what else his personality holds. And attached are some of my favourite photos of him, as well as a video of him squeaking for food. Enjoy. <sighs> he is so beautiful. Gorgeous. He is, I cannot believe that anybody would give him up for being too shy. I'd be like, it's okay, you're a king. Like, yeah, you look do at as you. you. Please. Uh, I, he like, is stunning. I, yeah. Emily described him great, but just truly just like the white with these like orange and gray. Yeah. Like, kind of just like speckled throughout. Like the perfect little cat face also though. So, such a like, perfect little cat face. The gold standard. Yeah, yeah. like he's he looks like a kind of, yeah, like a, a snow leopardy lynx, but yeah. with like brown cut. Oh, he's so beautiful. We'll post pictures. Yes. Bashir is a great name for him. It's way better than Latte. So good job <laughs> yeah, there. it's just, I also like the little shade of like, you are missing out. I, yeah, I agree. You're, I, I really love that. Yeah. <laughs> For sure. Any, any, this is the pet that everyone else is missing out on stories. Please mm-hmm. send them in. I enjoy, I enjoy sass and I enjoy shade. Yes. If it's, if it's, yeah, that you rehomed the pet that nobody wanted. If it's, you got the pet when your ex broke up with you. <laughs> yeah. All of those I want to hear about. <laughs> yes. Um, and then of course you can uh, email them to us at comfortcreatures at maximumfun.org. Um, you can write them out or, um, like use the voice memo app and record them yourselves, whatever you prefer. Uh, 
And the kink in the tail. The kink just, in sorry, the tail. just thinking. Isn't that a Siamese thing? Didn't it, we learn that that's is. a Siamese thing? I, anyway. Sorry, I meant to so, say yeah. that as well. I was like, I was wondering if if it was actually an injury or if maybe they just has it has that genetic Siamese thing and they didn't yeah. realize. Yeah. Um yeah. either way, super cute. Yeah, I love it. Um, and then yeah, of course, uh follow us on social media. We're comfort creatures. You'll you'll find us. Um yeah. <laughs> like I'm getting lazier and lazier with saying yeah, no, no, you know where we are you know where we're we are the things. we're on the things uh, thank you so much for listening rate, review, subscribe um, and we'll we said you. discord yeah join us on discord join us on discord it's great oh also um, Ella I don't even know if you saw yet but some people have been doing uh, guess the breed in the discord oh my gosh I've not seen this mm-hmm. yet oh okay I'm gonna go over and win yeah so if you, I think if you have a, a particularly like confusing or interesting breed combo and you want some people to try and guess it's just a fun game um yes get in there and uh yeah we'll see uh we'll see you next week i've been alexis b preston and i've been ella mcleod MaximumFun.org Comedy and culture Artist owned Audience supported